So waiting can be hard, right? Whether it is a child at Christmas, something to wait one day to the next to open the next advent calendar window. You just have to ask my youngest son, Kit, two-year-old, who on day one, the moment I turned my back, just nailed 17 windows. Or a parent waiting to hear if their kid got into the school of preference. Maybe you're waiting on news of how a job interview went, waiting to see if you are pregnant after months of trying, or whether you are sitting at a hospital bedside of a loved one waiting for news of their health. Waiting of all kinds can be hard. It can feel dark. And at this point in the narrative of this service today, it is all about waiting, pausing here and not rushing to Christmas Day. Advent teaches us a lot about waiting. These words of Isaiah, that the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in a land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. These words were to a group of people who were waiting. A group of people who were at risk of despair. A people who were feeling overwhelmed by the darkness around them. A people for whom the darkness was setting in so thick, they were beginning to think it could be permanent. Waiting can often feel permanent. The Hebrew people hearing these words had lost their way as a society. They'd given up on God's way and gone their own way. The whole nation had become corrupt and unjust, balancing its books on the back of the poorest. They were soon to be in exile under an oppressive, brutal regime away from their land, homes and culture. To these ears, into this waiting Into this darkness came the hope-filled prophecy of a brighter future and a just king who would end this time of waiting and suffering. Isaiah's words helped them see their present problems through the lens of a promise. His words gave them hope, helped them cling on. They were still waiting for change, but they were now at least waiting with hope. Their dark landscape had been permanently pierced with a shard of light. And Isaiah's words weren't just for those people at that time. They echo on meaningfully into today's world too. We too are a people in some ways walking in darkness. You only have to look at the plight of those who are homeless, the isolated elderly, the addicted, unemployed, those in prisons or in gangs, or those children, thousands of them sitting on waiting lists, waiting to be adopted, to see there is darkness around us. But it's not just around us, right? Sometimes it's within us too. You might be sat here this evening feeling a deep disappointment with life. You might be in a time of waiting, of silence, of unanswered questions. You might be in pain or anxious or sick. You might be experiencing broken relationships or overwhelmed with work. All of these things can feel like a deep darkness is setting in. Much like the people who Isaiah was first speaking to here, despair can feel near because the waiting can feel permanent. So the question is, how do we live? How do we wait in what can feel like a land of deep darkness at times? It seems to me that the culture we're surrounded uh, by seems to recommend we, we numb ourselves to avoid feeling it. Distract ourselves endlessly into false worlds to escape it. Move at a fast enough pace that we can ignore it or sweep it under the carpet with positive thinking. Essentially anything 
but confront it. But we are not people of the world. We are Advent people, a people who've been given a promise. And so this Advent evening, I want to remind us to be a people defined by hope, waiting with hope. My two sons have recently uh, announced that they are afraid of the dark. Uh, It may or may not, I'll leave it up to you guys to judge, have something to do with the book I've been reading them recently called There's a Monster Under Your Bed. Uh, It's a parenting fail, I'm, I'm regretting it already, but these things happen. When they lie there in the silence, in the darkness, as the house gets colder through the night, as wind and rain lash against their window, their imaginations run wild. But what I find interesting is what comforts them and takes away their fear. All Anna and I, all we need to do is just open their door ajar slightly so they can see the light on downstairs. Their room essentially remains dark. The rain hasn't stopped, the wind hasn't stopped, but their fear has. Why? Because when they see that shard of light coming through their door, they know that Anna and I are there. They know they are safe because mum and dad are near. However dark their room may feel, they know there is light and there is love on the other side of the door. That knowledge, that shard of light takes away the fear of the darkness. It takes away its permanence and it takes away its dominance. They can now sleep at peace and wait for sunrise unafraid. When you are in darkness, a shard of light makes all the difference. It gives us hope. And Advent reminds us that whatever particular wind or particular rain may be lashing against your window right now, there is hope. There is an end coming in the person of Jesus. As the theologian Walter Brueggemann puts it, we are ordained of God to be people of hope. It is there by virtue of our being made in the image of the promise-keeping God. Hope is the decision to which God invites his people. A decision against despair, against permanent consignment to chaos, oppression, barrenness, and exile. You see, the world does not need more people who are skilled at ignoring or escaping the darkness. It doesn't need a people who are numb to it or afraid of it. And it does not need people who have given into it. The world desperately needs a church who can see the darkness for what it truly is, who can feel it, who can look darkness in the face and say, you may hurt, you may be confusing, you may be disappointing, you may be real for now, but you do not have the last word. Jesus does. We will not, therefore, despair. We will not give up and we will not ignore you. We see you, but we are not afraid. We will not let ourselves be convinced you are permanent because we see you through the lens of a promised light, of a door ajar, of a coming king and kingdom. First century Celtic Christians had this amazing ritual at the moment in the day where, where the sun goes down and then the night draws in. And before they go to light their first oil lamp of the night, they look at that darkness and they simply say to it, I beg to differ. Advent, we are all learning to look at the darkness with hope and say, I beg to differ. 
Hope is the great threat to darkness. So can I ask you, where are you experiencing waiting right now? Which areas of your life have you begun to wonder if the darkness is too thick? If maybe it's become permanent? As we move through this service, as we sing the songs, hear the readings, as the physical lights get brighter, can I encourage you to invite the hope of Jesus, the light of Jesus, into that darkness? Morning is coming. Jesus is coming. Amen. So earlier, I was speaking about promise. I now want to speak about presence. The narrative of our service this evening and the narrative of this Advent season is waiting, 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 then suddenly with. The Jesus promised becomes the Jesus present. The world no longer clinging to a shard of light, but bathed in the sunlight of a brand new day. I once went swimming when I was living in Ecuador for four months with a bunch of friends and we were all in the sea and I suddenly realized that all of my friends were really far out from shore. And uh, in that moment that you never want to experience, I turned around myself and realized that I too was far from the shore. We had all been caught in a riptide. I tried desperately to swim against that riptide to get back uh, to the shore, but I was getting absolutely nowhere. And so panic starts to set in. I'm sure you can imagine. Firstly, because I'm a terrible swimmer. But secondly, because not only am I a terrible swimmer, I'm also asthmatic. And for anyone in the room who has asthma, you will know that the combination of panic and deep water and a riptide is not one to wholeheartedly embrace. I could immediately feel my throat and windpipes start to close up and seize up. As I swam harder and harder with less and less oxygen, I began to feel my muscles fatigue and cramp. I shout to my friend John, who's further out away from the shore, and he's trying to swim towards me desperately, but not really getting anywhere, and I go under for the first time. I find my way back up, and I desperately look to him again, hoping that he's nearer than he was the last time, and he isn't, and I go under again as another wave hits me. Each time I come up for air, just for a moment, it gets shorter. But I I look to my friend, and he's no closer. And I hear my friend back at uh, the shore, a girl called Charlie. She's shouting instructions to me about how to swim, swim, swim. Each time I come up for air, I hope I'm going to be held up. But then I go under again. And this time, for the first and only time in my life, I genuinely accept that I am going to die. And it is right at that moment that the arms of a local fisherman hooked under my body and pulled me up into his boat. Hopeful gasps of air mixed with salty water were suddenly replaced by a full intake of breath and relief. I was alive. The only person in the water on the beach that day that could save me had come close enough to wrap his arms around me and pull me to safety. Waiting, 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 and then suddenly with. It is the with that makes all the difference. That is what we celebrate at Christmas, the gift 
of Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. We've just been seeing it. God coming close, pulling his boat, so to speak, up to a weary humanity and wrapping his arms around us. I don't know what your understanding of God might be coming here this evening. You may think he doesn't exist. You may think he does, but that somehow he's distant, shouting instructions at you how to swim better, how to live better. But I just want you to know that the God I know is not a God shouting from afar, but a God who comes close out of compassion. You see it in his birth and in his life, and in his death, and in his resurrection. He did nothing from afar. He came close, and it cost him everything. Think about it for a moment. As we've heard earlier, he humbled himself and entered our world as a vulnerable baby in the land of a murderous king. He goes on to embrace lepers with his own bare carpenter's hands. He risked riots to eat with fraudsters. And he risked his reputation to restore dignity to women. And wonderfully, when he went to the cross and broke the power of sin in our lives, he did so with the skin off his own back, with the sweat from his own brow, with the blood from his own veins. He didn't live out his mission from afar. He did it with his own body, close enough to feel the breath of his persecutors on his face. Why? Why would he do all that? Well, it was all to paint a vivid picture to a hurting world of the borderless love of God. All to say to the likes of you and I that we are worth it, worth him. That nobody is out of reach. That to see mankind restored to its maker, nothing is too much, nothing too costly. And that kind of love... Well, nothing can stop it. No grave can hold it back and no enemy can prevail against it. No amount of our sin can drown it and no amount of our apathy can dim it. No darkness, as we've been hearing gloriously this evening, can overcome it. This is no ordinary love. It is love with the whole weight of eternity behind it. We are the reason Jesus did all he did, gave all he gave, suffered all he suffered. We are why. You are why. This is the unlikely story of Christmas. God coming close to us, crossing the great divide that separated us from him. That first Christmas was truly the hinge point of history. The moment the trajectory of humanity was forever altered as one heading towards darkness and now being one of heading towards light. This is the story that defines us and tells us who we truly are. It is the story we will celebrate in 10 days' time. So this Christmas... Whatever you are going through, whatever tide you may be caught in, can I encourage you, if you are intrigued even the slightest this evening, to let him draw his boat alongside you. Wrap his arms around you and show you just how much he loves you. Amen.